were rescued from destruction and from death through the blood of the Lamb. They came out of Egypt. They went through the Red Sea. And the Bible says they were baptized into Moses in the sea and in the cloud. The sea represents the baptism in water. The cloud represents the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So they came out of Egypt just like you and I came out of the world system and we have been born anew into the kingdom of God. When you placed faith in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and you trusted Christ for your salvation, you know that you were born again by the Spirit of God. Amen? So you were delivered from the kingdom of darkness, from the kingdom of the world, and you were born again and you into the kingdom of his dear son. You were translated, the Bible says, into the kingdom of his dear son, which is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? All right, the children of Israel then came out of Egypt and went through the sea. See, the same procedure. The Bible says that the Old Testament was a shadow of things which were to come. The Old Testament was a shadow, the New Testament is the substance, the real thing. So they went through the Red Sea and they were baptized in the sea and in the cloud. One baptism, one from beneath, the other from above. Now I've explained that to you before, that there are two ways that you can be immersed or baptized because baptized comes from the Greek word baptizo which means to be fully immersed into, to dip into, right? So there are two ways to be fully immersed into something. The one is going in the water, like you go into the swimming pool, you go down and you come up. The one baptism is in the water from beneath and the other was in the cloud. You can also be immersed and baptized if you go and stand beneath the Victoria Falls, right? In the sea and in the cloud speaks of the baptism in water and in the spirit. Do you understand it? You get the picture now. So we also, it's why the moment you get born again, you don't have to delay and you must not delay your baptism in water because what finally separated the children of Israel from the Egyptians that were pursuing them was the water. When they went through the waters of the Red Sea, the Egyptians pursued after them, and you know the story, they drowned. So the Egyptians' dominion or influence over them was severed as they went through the water. Now when you go through the baptism of water, you sever the influence of the world over you. Do you see it? They are drowned there. The worldly influence, the dominion of the world, you leave it behind. Baptism in the Holy Spirit and they came out into the desert. You see the picture now? Jesus, when he was baptized in water, he was also filled in the Holy Spirit, with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, what was the first thing that Jesus did? He was led by the Spirit where? into the desert to be what? To be tempted by the devil. You see it? So the children of Israel, and, and that Jesus, how many days did he 
remain in the desert, 40. 40 is the number of probation. <laughs> and before you actually are released into your own public ministry and the Lord can trust you with the anointing and with the power, you're going to have to go through your own private war with the flesh, with the world and the devil, combat, overcome in your own private domain, and then you're released by the anointing and the power of the Spirit to minister. We see it. You can go with me, if you like, please, to look chapter 4 and we see it very clearly there I'm explaining to you what we are going to be doing on Thursday evening classes Luke chapter 4 Luke chapter 4 and verse 1 we read the following Luke chapter 4 beginning with verse 1. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, where he was baptized, of course, in water, and filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Have you noticed that Jesus, though he was and he is the Son of God, born of a virgin, by the Spirit of God, he was not filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit until he was 30 years old. Did you know that? He never did one miracle until he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you know, it's foolish for some Christians to think that they got it all when they were born again. No, you didn't get it all when you got born again. You got a measure of the Spirit and through the Spirit you were born again. But there is an additional experience which the Bible calls the endowment of power from on high, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the baptism, as we've heard before, is for service, is to obtain boldness which you've never had before. To do what? To testify about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So Jesus being full with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now please note in verse 14, when, when the devil exhausted all of his temptations, and Jesus overcame him using nothing more than you and I have today. What did Jesus use? The Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the ordinance of prayer and fasting. Do you see it? He overcame him through the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit, and through the ordinance of prayer and fasting. And you and I have those ordinances today. Amen? We don't need anything else. We don't need anything more to overcome him in combat. So, when the enemy exhausted all of his temptations, we read in verse 14 that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. 
no more filled with the Spirit. He went in filled with the Spirit. He came out in the power of the Spirit. Now what's the difference between being filled with the Spirit and having the power of the Spirit? When you're filled with the Spirit, <laughs> you may be speaking in other tongues, but they're just about dead, you know. When you have the power of the Spirit, then things begin to happen around you. The sick get healed. Miracles take place. Deliverance take place. Now Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Amen? We're going to be studying the differences in other lessons, but what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to focus your attention on when Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, he went into the desert. When the Israelites came out of the Red Sea and they were baptized in the sea and in the cloud, they also went into their own desert. Now, God did not intend for them to stay in the desert for 40 years. What God was intending to do with them was to bring them out of Egypt and lead them into the promised land. Out of, into. But for 40 years, they've never learned to master the flesh. The flesh always dominated them. They were body ruled. And we're going to be reading and studying the five or the four sins that kept them out of the promised land. God wanted them to learn certain valuable lessons and move out of the desert into the promised land. What is the land of Canaan and the promised land stand for? What does it mean for us today? It is a, it is a life that is filled with, with overcoming power, producing fruit for the kingdom of God. The children of God who always live in the desert are always struggling with the flesh, with the world, with the devil. They're always in a war. Whenever you meet and ask them, oh, how are you, brother? Bearing up under the circumstances. The land of Canaan, you don't bear under the circumstances. You're above the circumstances. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is fully operational in you and you're elevated above and beyond the carnal desires and the lusts of the flesh. The world no longer influences your thinking. You know your rightful place in Christ and the devil cannot push you here and there anymore. That's the land of promise, the land of victory. Yes, there are giants over there that we overcome. It's a place where we are giving continually glory and honor to the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Where we become productive in the kingdom of God. And we begin to bear fruit the 30, the 60, and the 100 fold in return. Now that is to me. You cross the river Jordan. You die to self. You no longer live after your own desires, you no longer have your own dreams, your own ambitions. You begin to see far and beyond your own self, your own needs, your own family. You are looking far and beyond and you're living for the kingdom, you're serving God and you're moving in the spirit. You've crossed the river Jordan, you've mastered the flesh now. You're no longer body ruled. You're no longer an infant. You no longer feed on milk, but you are feeding on solid food. You are receiving the secret wisdom of God. 
you begin to hear the mysteries and the secrets of the kingdom are being unfolded and revealed to you because you've grown, you've matured, you've left the flesh behind. And God can commit to you responsibility. God can commit to you the anointing, the power, and can trust you with this power so you can become fruitful and dynamic in the kingdom of God. And now what are we going to be teaching in these Thursday classes is how to move from the infant stage of babyhood and taking milk only, move from that stage into the mature stage of being men and women of God that are able and capable of handling responsibilities. And I told you before that out of this class, men and women of God will arise and will stand next to me in the ministry. Amen. And you can't stand next to me and share the ministry that God has commissioned me to, except you prove yourself faithful. In your own domain, you overcome the desires, the lusts of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Then God can trust you with the anointing and with the power, and you will stand next to me and share the ministry with me. Amen? God does not commit responsibility and ministry to novices. I want you to know that. Paul said to Timothy, give no responsibility to novice. Don't lay hands too quickly on anybody and ordain and appoint anybody. Do it very carefully and prayerfully. Why? Because so often we, because we have a need, because there is such a great need in the church sometimes, because the pastors are tired of doing everything and anything themselves. They just commit to whosoever responsibility. But it's wrong. And then instead of doing good to that person, you're doing them harm because they are not able to carry that responsibility. They're not mature enough to carry it through. I'm not talking about opening the door on Sunday morning and being an usher and sitting in the chairs. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about visiting somebody and sharing the gospel with him and, 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 and showing mercy to some. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about being able to commit responsibility and ministry. So what we are going to be teaching about is how to get from the desert into the Canaan land, how to cross the River Jordan, how to cross your river, how to say no to the flesh, how to expose your flesh to the power of the cross, Amen? And allow that flesh to be humbled, to be subdued, to be disciplined, and not to be body ruled, and not to be fleshly ruled. And these are some of the lessons that we will be teaching, namely, how to become skillful in the word of righteousness. Go with me, please, to the book of Hebrews, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. This is not baby stuff. Okay? So, this is for those who want to come out of, uh, of the babyhood stage and go on to perfection or to maturity, as Paul said to them. Now, listen to him speaking to the Hebrew Christians in chapter 5. And verse 11. Find Hebrews chapter 5. And verse 11. Okay? You got it? 
We have much to say about this, speaking about the priest in the order of Mel Melchizedek, priesthood after the, or in the order of Melchizedek, he says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. I did mention to you what the elementary truths of God's word are. It lists them down in, in Hebrews chapter 6. Mainly, namely, he says, repentance from dead works, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Instruction about baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. That's the elementary truths of the doctrine of Christ. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have, have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. They have become skillful in using the word of righteousness. They know how to use the Word of God. And this is what we're going to be teaching you about, what I'm going to be teaching on Thursday. Becoming skillful in using the Word of God and combating the enemy, casting down imagination and every vain thing that rises up itself against the knowledge of God using the ordinances of God. What are the ordinances of God? What are the spiritual weapons that God has given us? How are we to master the flesh? The word says, if ye through the spirit mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Becoming skillful in the word of righteousness, knowing what the Bible says about you, knowing what the word of God says about your circumstance, your situation knowing how to resist the enemy using the word of God just as, your, just as our Lord and Savior did. When he said to him, if you are the son of God, make this stone's bread. And Jesus said to him, man cannot and must not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth. He knew how to use the word. The word wasn't just in his head, the word was in his heart. How do you get the word from your mind to your heart? We'll be talking about that. It's one thing to have the word in your mind and it's another to have that word in your heart. For when it's in your mind, it's head knowledge. When it's in your heart, it's faith. And when you speak out of your spirit man, the demons tremble, the enemy trembles, but when you have it just in your head, you're blowing hot air. Amen? So, how do you get the word from your head into your heart? We'll be talking about that. Then we will also be talking about the ordinance of prayer. Paul talked about, I will pray in the Spirit, I will also pray with my understanding. How to allow the Holy Spirit to take over your prayer life and lead you into realms of prayer that you have not yet experienced by the Spirit of God. Forget those babyhood prayers, Oh Lord, be with us here tonight, we pray. That's just hot air. You don't have to pray and ask the Lord to be here with you tonight. 
because he is here where you are he is he says I am in you and you're in me and he's given his promise I'll never leave you nor forsake you so for you to ask him to be here tonight is like you're calling him in the, to the face you're a liar and much of our prayers is like that you must admit it I was praying like that for years now I don't say Lord thank you for being here learning how to pray according to the mind and to the word of God tearing and bringing down strongholds moving into realms of prayer by the spirit because your mind has been enlightened by the word of God and you know how to pray and you move from one realm and from one kind of prayer to another from worship and adoration you move into intercession into the prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith, we will be studying all those kinds of different kinds of prayer here in these classes. So be sure you don't miss them because you're going to be missing something. Now those on Tuesday nights, they want milk. Let them go for milk. It's okay. Hearing the same thing over and over again, how to be born again, the necessity of being baptized in water and in the spirit. But I'm talking about maturing in Christ and and as Hebrews chapter 6 says therefore let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ leave them you know them you've lived through them you've done them now don't stay there begin to open your heart and your spirit because I do believe with all of my heart God is going to give me some extraordinary diet for the Thursday class you're gonna receive food you haven't received before so you better make sure that your spirit you open your mouth wide you're gonna hear some things you haven't heard before so I'm warning you this is not baby stuff this is heavy stuff hallelujah amen, amen. the Lord said to me son prepare yourself through fasting and prayer open your spirit wide open your mind wide because I'm gonna give you a new diet I'm going to give you a diet that will take my people further than they've ever been before. So have a flexible mind and an open spirit. And when you come on Thursday, make sure that you prepare your heart and your spirit because I will be preparing the day. And I will be fasting and praying the day. And I want you to be ready to fast and to pray, to receive and understand all that God has to wants to give us. Amen? Leave the elementary principle teaching about Christ and go on to maturity. Not laying again the same foundation. Go on to maturity. Well, Brother Andreas, what is the mature, the solid food of the Word of God? For a long time I didn't know until one day the Spirit of God opened my eyes and go to 1 Corinthians I'll tell you what solid food is all about First Corinthians chapter 3 did say I was going to do some, we'll give you some announcements, but we'll do them afterwards. <laughs> I just moved along as the Spirit led me. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. 
Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready because you're still worldly. What does it mean, worldly? Body ruled. You're still governed by the natural impulses of the flesh. You're still governed and led by your emotions and not by the Word of God. Because, he says to them, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you see, the flesh was very much alive in the Corinthian church. And though they were enriched in all knowledge and utterance and faith, and the gifts of the Spirit was flowing among them, the gifts were working, but the gifts are no proof that you're mature. Fruit is the evidence of maturity. Amen? You can have the gift of tongues and interpretation and prophecy, but you can still be as carnal as these Corinthians were. This is because there is still quarreling among you. There is jealousy. You acting like mere men because there are cliques in you in the church. One says, I am Apollos. The other says, I am of Paul. The other says, I am of Peter. Oh, have you heard Brother Andreas preaching? Ooh, now you should hear uh, Brother so-and-so, you know. Mm, no, I like Brother so-and-so. Cliques following personalities and giftings. What does that tell you? Amen? Don't elevate men, personalities and names of men. Jesus is the one who is to be elevated and glorified and uplifted far above any other name. No matter how gifted the personality is, no matter how wonderful things God does through that human being, let the name of Jesus be uplifted. As Paul says, but what are we? We are just servants of Christ. I have watered, I have planted, he said, Apollos have watered, but it is God who gives the increase. So glorify and praise the name of the Lord. Now he says, I couldn't feed you with solid food. And we ask, what is then the solid food? Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. Hallelujah. We speak a message of wisdom to the mature. What is the solid food? Is the wisdom of God. The mysteries, the secrets of the kingdom are revealed to the mature. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6. Oh, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6. Forgive me. Oh. Sorry, I'm really causing you to be paging around. Huh? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6. You got it? We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not of the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. And none of the rulers of this world or of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The wisdom of God is for the mature. The revelations of God are for the mature. The secrets of the kingdom of God are for the mature. 
for those that have come off milk and are receiving and are able and capable of receiving the secrets of the kingdom and the wisdom of the kingdom of God that is completely contrary and foreign to the world. Solid food, revelation knowledge. And through prayer, you will be taught how to enter levels that you've not entered before. And by faith, you will climb those levels and you will combat the enemy and you will come against evil forces and you will tear down and you will bring to captivity every thought that rises above the knowledge of the Word of God. And we will also be teaching about the ordinance of fasting. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Hallelujah. You're going to learn how to fast Thursday class. You're going to learn how to fast. If you have not fasted before, you're going to be learning how to fast. So difficult, and the, the flesh, when the flesh hears about fasting, mm -mm -mm -mm, I can't do it, brother. Yes, you can. The Spirit of God is within you, and you're going to learn how to fast. Jesus fasted. The disciples fasted. Jesus said, this kind does not go out but by prayer and fasting. What does fasting do? What is the principle of the primarily, prim, primarily, primary purpose of fasting? It is to weaken the flesh. That is the greatest enemy of the flow and the workings of the Spirit of God in your life. That is who, that is the one, that is your enemy that opposes the move of God in your life. The flesh, the mind of the flesh, the body, the natural appetites. So through fasting you attack the worst enemy of the flow of the spirit. As Galatians said in chapter 5, the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit lusteth against the flesh. When you subdue the flesh through fasting, starving the flesh, feeding your spirit man, hallelujah. And that's what Jesus did in the desert. That is why he successfully overcame every temptation of the enemy. He fasted the flesh and he fed his spirit men. But what do we do? We feed our flesh and we starve our spirit men. And then we are constantly in a struggle. We are constantly overcome. We are constantly battling with unbelief. With all of the things that have to do with the lower life living in the flesh, living as mere men, with jealousy, backbiting, with gossip, with, with unforgiveness, with all of, why? Because our spirit man is starved and the flesh is well fed. We're going to be learning about the ordinance of fasting and how the Word of God teaches us to fast and to fast according to the Word of God. And I'm going to be teaching you on this very, very valuable and important subject. In a matter of months, if you will apply the teaching you hear, you will begin to experience things you haven't experienced before. You will mount up with wings as eagles. And you will run and not be weary. And you will walk and not faint. Because let me tell you something, unless you get out of your own desert experience, you're not going to see 
your destiny fulfilled in Christ. And many of the Christians, many of the children of God have been born again and died in the desert just like the children of Israel. And every time they encountered a problem or a crisis, they grumbled and moaned and complained. Why? Because they were body ruled. Oh, we remember Moses. We remember the melons. We remember the fish we ate. We remember the garlic and the onions and you brought us into this desert to kill us. <laughs> right? <laughs> Body ruled. Always the hearts and the minds were back in Egypt in slavery. Couldn't see beyond that. Every time they encountered a problem, they started complaining and murmuring and grumbling. They were ruled by the flesh falling into sexual immorality, falling into idolatry, being killed by the thousands. And look what 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us. Look at it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. In verse 6. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. The Greek word there, setting our hearts, is translated as lusted after evil things. The lust of the flesh. Controlling the lives. So now these things, in verse 5 it says, Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered over the desert. And there are Christians lived and died in the desert, never crossed the Jordan, never fulfilled the destiny in Christ, never understood what God's purpose was for their lives, and never walked in it. Why? Because they've never came out of their own private desert. They've never mustered the flesh. They've never won the war in the private domain. Am I right or am I wrong? I remember the years of my desert experience, painful, where my flesh constantly, and still now, but those were the beginnings of, and my flesh exposed constantly and continually to the cross. And I had to learn to lay down my life, to lay down my rights, to lay down my own privileges and my own individual dreams and purposes and learn to find out and pursue the dream that God had for me. And I don't want you to wander around in your own private desert for years, never accomplishing what God has destined you to accomplish. Never being able to see beyond your own self, your own needs, your own children. Me and mine, Lord. Me and mine, me and mine. And we never seem to get out of that me and mine. Dominated and ruled by the carnal and the worldly mind. Amen? Now to be a Christian means to seek and to serve and to save that which is lost. To be a Christian is to be a servant. To be a Christian means to give and not to receive. For it is more blessed to give than to receive. Giving of your time, giving of your substance, giving of your energies, giving of your talents continually. Not well, but we've got a job to run, brother Andrea. So have we all. 
That's no excuse not to labor for the kingdom. But how do you get there? You win the war in your own home. Paul said to Timothy, the husbandman that labors must be first partaker of the fruits. And the athlete that competes in the game, he must compete according to the rules before he receives a crown. There is no crown without the cross. And we're going to be teaching us about the cross. Yes, the blood of Jesus dealt with your sins and washed your and my sins away, but the cross wants to deal with your flesh, with your ego, with yourself, with your ambitions. And if you just want to be a Christian that, well, forgive me, Lord, I blew it again, forgive me, sorry, sorry, and live constantly in that state, that's fine. God will forgive you. But sooner or later, you're going to have to come to the place where you accept the cross and say, I embrace the cross. And call upon the name of the Lord to bring the power of the cross deeper and deeper into your life, into your dreams, into your ambitions, into your motives. And silence the flesh once and for all. Be still and know. <coughs> Silence all ye flesh. You will know the power of God. Listen to what Paul is talking about. In the book of Philippians. We'll be closing it just now. Thank you Jesus. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 17. We're going to be teaching about the cross. The cross of Christ. Join with others, he says, in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as the enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. The God is their stomach. See? <laughs> like the children of Israel, the God was the stomach. Well, we remember the onions, the garlics, the fish, the meat we ate. They were ruled by the flesh, by the body, by the natural appetites. The Bible calls those the enemies of the cross. It says their destiny is the God is their stomach and the glory is in the shame. Their mind is on earthly things. I'm sure you've come across Christians that all they talk about is worldly and earthly things. They can't seem to go beyond that. Why? Because they have not embraced the cross of Christ. They have not been able to see beyond the natural. They have not understood the spiritual world. This is their mind is on <coughs> earthly things. You let your mind dwell on things of the earth. 
you become earthly. I mean, when you constantly think of nothing else but what you're going to eat and what you're going to drink and what you're going to wear and what you're going to sell and what you're going to buy. Can God use that mind? I ask you this. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things coming in choke the word. But he says to us, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know how I longed and waited for these Thursday classes. You don't know how I've agonized in prayer over two years plus. And I cried out unto the Lord. I said, Lord, bring me hearts that I can take further. Bring me people that are willing to embrace the cross and go on to maturity. I'm tired of teaching elementary principles. Year after year, month after month, even so in Zimbabwe for years, all I could teach and all I could preach was milk. And within me I knew God has blessed me with knowledge and, and solid food and wisdom and revelation about all of these things that I want to be sharing with you. I could not find the right people to teach them. And I prayed and agonized in prayer. Lord, give me some hearts that are willing to go on to maturity. And I believe this class is ordained by the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. And we're going to go on together to places we haven't been before. Are we going to do that? Well, we're going to be teaching about also the cross of Christ, as I said. The word of God, the principle of prayer, fasting, the spirit of the living God living within us, wanting to be released and do greater things. Praise the Lord. This is going to be flesh knocking. You know what flesh knocking is? Hallelujah. So I welcome you to the Thursday class. Those of you who are here for the first time, welcome. I trust that I will see you again next Thursday. May God bless you as we close in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. We praise you, dear Lord, for your wonderful Thank you for all that you've shared with us and have spoken to our hearts tonight. We open our hearts and our minds by faith, dear Lord. And in the name of Jesus, we receive, Father, all that you have for us. We pray that the cross of Christ and the power of the cross may come in a more dynamic way than ever before in our Christian walk and demolish strongholds and subdue the activity of the flesh, the dreams of the flesh, the mind of the natural man. And bring us out of the state of constant struggle with the things of the flesh into a life of victory through the Spirit of Christ. In Jesus' precious name. Amen.